Hey guys, before we start today's show, we wanted to let you know that this episode discusses the rape of a character, which can be triggering for some. If you or someone you know has suffered a sexual assault, there is help. Please call 800-656-HOPE to be connected with a trained staff member from a sexual assault service provider in your area. Now, on to our show. What's up, it's Andrea. Today, we meet a new chief engineer we love, a new bartender we adore, and the new doctor, which we despise. All that and more. Stay tuned. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking about season two, episode one, The Child. We are in season two. How exciting is this? This is so cool. Woo! All right. This episode was written by Jaron Summers, John Povell, and Maurice Hurley, and directed by Rob Bowman. And the star date is 42073.1. Here's a synopsis for The Child. The new chief medical officer, Dr. Catherine Pulaski, is brought aboard the Enterprise as it prepares to travel to Odette 9 in order to take on a dangerous viral sample. After taking aboard the new doctor, the ship is traveling at sublight speed when a ball of energy passes through the hull, eventually settling in the womb of Counselor Troy. When Captain Picard wonders why the new doctor hasn't checked in with him, he locates her in 10 forward where the bartender, Guinan, works. This is our first sighting of Guinan. Picard finds Dr. Pulaski talking with Troy about her unexpected pregnancy. The senior officers meet to discuss the pregnancy, and the fetus is developing at an accelerated rate and will be fully developed in 36 hours. Now, Sharice, this is a very Troy-heavy episode. The first, really, the first Troy-heavy episode. Mm -hmm. If we're not Um, counting Haven from season one, which was about her kind of arranged marriage. Yeah, but this is really, yeah. But I mean, I think that was more about like Riker being a crying baby <laughs> and like pouting. So okay, that's fair. We have, <laughs> so this is really, really Troy. And we have a special guest. Sharice, do you want to introduce our guest today? I do. So today we have a special guest, Jenny Bellinger, who is a Star Trek fan. And more importantly, she is a Troy super fan, which is fun because if you guys have listened to any of our show, you know that we are very dubious when it comes to Troy. <laughs> so we're excited to have someone who is on Team Troy. She is also a podcast host herself. She hosts Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast. So if you do any direct sales, you need to check out her podcast. She's amazing. She's awesome. Jenny B, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I was so excited. I've been catching up on my Star Trek stuff, geeking out on purpose. <laughs> and it, it's been awesome to, to reconnect with this part of my childhood again, because I really did grow up on Next Gen. I'm, do you have a least favorite character? Yar. <gasps> really? <laughs> oh my God. You said that so fast. So why fast. do you hate her? <laughs> I, okay. So part of it is my understanding of why she left the show. And I could be totally wrong because I, I haven't researched it, but it was my understanding that the reason that the actress left the show is because she was like, oh, this show isn't going anywhere, blah, blah, blah. And so that's why they killed her off. And spoiler alert, in case anybody didn't know. <laughs> season two she's gone (laughs) he's gone right exactly maybe it's more of an issue against denise crosby than the character of yar (laughs) yeah she uh, i i don't know 
I don't hate her as much now, but yeah, I do have to say it's probably more a, a bias against the actress for like for abandoning your beloved you're, show. Yes, yeah. you're you're giving up on Star Trek. What the <laughs> f is wrong with you? There, there's a lot to digest in this in this episode. Do we have any like preliminary thoughts before we go beat by beat? Because I feel like there's kind of a lot. For me, I, I was really following three different things in this episode there was the troy stuff there was the 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 oh what was it called plasma plague yes. thing and then there was yes. also the wesley thing that happened in the episode too yes so you know they had three things in there that you know i i thought and especially with the introduction of gynan and all that stuff it was just like oh wow there's a lot going on in this episode that yes. i did not remember but you know so. You're right. This episode is, I mean, this could be like a two-part podcast, pretty much, just talking about the changes mm-hmm. that we see in season two that sort of premiere in this episode and the storyline itself. There's a lot. There's a lot. Sharice, how about you? This episode sets up what the entire rest of TNG is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everybody's introduced in this episode that's going to be here for the long haul, with the exception of Barclay and Ensign Rowe which come in like season five or six or whatever. But yeah. I mean, the people introduced here and the looks that people have and all of that is something that carries on until the show ends. So I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is really exciting. Except for Worf. Worf got longer hair. He did. Worf yeah. got longer hair. <laughs> they let his hair down, which yes. is good. Yes, yes. Just like Troy. <laughs> they let his hair down a little bit. <laughs> so, so the only thing that stays the same and then changes in season three, costume-wise, is they still have the, like, one-piece costumes that don't have those stand-up collars. So I have a couple of bits of trivia. So this episode premieres or introduces us to Dr. Catherine Pulaski, who is universally hated <laughs> by fans she's definitely one of my least favorite characters yes mm-hmm. i really don't like pulaski <laughs> well so there's there's a there's a couple of background bits here so she had been written obviously to replace gates mcfadden um as dr crusher um officially the official word was that mcfadden had chose chosen to leave the show as she didn't like her character development which was the same reason that crosby departed season one however maurice hurley had actually fired her for demanding like equal pay i think and and maybe don't quote me on this because i i only found just little bits of information on this but gates mcfadden had in a star trek reunion panel at one of the cons had said that like women getting equal pay was just like the hardest battle she had to fight on star trek so that might have been a a reason that she was fired by hurley and the producers thought that Catherine Pulaski, played by Diana Moldauer, would bring like a Bones McCoy kind of feel. Yes, I wrote that in my freaking notes. So, so this episode also marks the first appearance of Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. So her character, Guinan, was named after Mary Texas Guinan, a Prohibition era, era speakeasy owner. The real Guinan, Mary Texas Guinan's classic line when people walk into her speakeasy was, hello, suckers, come in and leave your wallet at the bar. <laughs> I was like, this could not be less like the Guinan that we know and love. That's nothing like her. So she was like rounded up and busted by the cops a bunch of times for having a speakeasy during Prohibition and she was acquitted and all this stuff. But um, when she ended up dying in the 30s, I think, like 
almost 10,000 people came to her funeral because she had like provided all these people with booze and she was basically like a celebrity. So I don't know, some producer or writer like heard about her or knew about her and was like, Ooh, bartender, we'll name her Guinan. But our Guinan is like soft-spoken and gentle and cool. And like this, this Guinan didn't seem, <laughs> Mary Texas Guinan didn't seem to be so much. So Goldberg was really pursuing a role in the series because she claimed that Nichelle Nichols's portrayal of Uhura on the original series, like is what inspired her to become an actress. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she had her agent call and call and call the producers of TNG and they just kept like ignoring her calls or ignoring the agent's calls. Cause they were like, Whoopi Goldberg is a huge, huge, huge star. She's not going to want to be on our show, blah, blah, blah. And then finally Whoopi was like, let me get on the phone with them myself. And she called them directly and they were like, oh, okay, we're going to put you in the show. And this is, this is how it started. And I love that she was just like a badass that was like, I am going to knock on this door until they open it for me. That's it. Like, I'm going to kick the door open and get in there myself. Good yeah, Whoopi Goldberg seems amazing. Um, that's actually the same reason why Var Burton joined the show was because of um, Michelle Nichols. And he said, because the original series, you know, showed him people like him, you know, black actors on television. And he was like, wait a minute, maybe I could do that. And that's why he came on the show. So such an inspiration. So cool. Very cool. Yeah, I know. She's just, she's, she rocks. Um, the last little bit before we get in is Marina Sirtis was actually really happy to have an episode focused around Troy because she felt like Troy was really underrepresented in season one. And I agree. So there were whole episodes. She wasn't there and I didn't even notice. (laughs) Yeah, they basically made her invisible. Yeah, she was not a crucial character. No, but she was happy with this one. So let's let's get into this. Um, So we have this opening shot of the Enterprise and this other ship called the Repulse. What the fuck kind of ship name is that? A Repulse? A Repulse? What? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Uh, And it was so funny because as as soon as they showed it, I I turned to my boyfriend and went, oh, look, they got money in season two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was there was a lot of like set deck kind of stuff that really increased. They got some CGI budget. The one thing that did throw me off, though, is as we're watching the shuttle leave the shuttle bay, there's no like force field sound. And oh, you're right. I was like. Uh-oh, get ready to get sucked into space because there was no force field. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right about that. I did notice that too. Um, and then I was, initially I was like, why is there a shuttle like going back and forth? And then I remembered, we learned later on that Dr. Pulaski is such a boomer. She's like, I will not use transporters, you know? And so she has to be <laughs> shuttle crafted everywhere. Like the pain in the ass that she is. But oh, again, <laughs> another bones thing. Yes, yes, yeah, he exactly. Didn't, he didn't like being transported either. Exactly, exactly. No, that's, t- I, I, they, they picked that right out of like the original series. So a couple things, we see Worf on the bridge and he has a new, the technical term is a baldric, B-A-L-D-R-I-C. Never heard of it until I started doing some research. In season one, it's like gold and looks like it's made of like gold metallic fabric but mm-hmm. this one is really cool um they wanted the costume department wanted to make something that looked more like klingon and like kind of hard and so they made this baldric out of bicycle chains which i thought was so cool oh. so we had this like awesome like bicycle chain like heavy metal kind of thing around him for the next six seasons which was really cool and then oh my god ladies <gasps> riker's beard yes riker's beard has arrived 
Oh, I was so happy when he walked in and I was like, oh, there he is. That's the Riker I know and love. I have some trivia about Riker and the beard. I was watching a panel, behind the scenes panel, and um, he was, and people had asked him like, oh, tell us about the beard, you know, to Jonathan Frakes. And he was just like, Riker did not get a beard. Jonathan Frakes got a beard. I'm the one who came to the show with a beard. And apparently it's, it caused a huge uproar because he was saying how hair in Hollywood is more important than talent. It's all about the hair. It's all about the hair on your head, the hair, like hair on your face was a big no-no on television. Um, and so what they did was they had all these back and forth debates about whether or not he could keep the beard. And it went on and on. And they were like, okay, fine. He can keep the beard, but not so much beard. So they shaved off a bunch of his beard and then they, they filmed a couple scenes and said, actually, we don't like how that looks. So they glued hair back on to his face (laughs) to give him more beard. So they kept going more beard, less beard, more beard, less beard, gluing hair on, taking hair off until they got that. It was, it was a cereal and milk problem that they just kept doing like more, but, but with gluing hair on your effing face. Yes. Until he got the iconic look that he now has. I love that despite all of the like uproar, he kept that look because that is like the sexy Jonathan Frakes that we all love. Like Mm, baby face Riker does not work, but Mm -mm. Riker with a beard Mm -hmm. mm, that works. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Super, super duper yum. And, and, and if I remember correctly, when he came walking into Picard's office, it was the first time that he, that he saddled up on one of the, the seats Oh my God. He, he did it. And I, I paused and I rewound it and watched it again. I was like, oh, and he's got like presence and force. So he walks in owning the room, totally owning the room, saddles the chair and turns to the new chief engineer. Yes. Jordy LaForge. And yes. I'm so excited about that. And Jordy's now the chief engineer. We have no idea why. And we don't even care. I'm so excited to love it. this role. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that. Okay, so they're, they're moving away from the Repulse, the worst named starship ever. And this little pinprick of light is kind of seen like entering the hull of the ship and sort of exploring around. Mm-hmm. And then it enters Deanna Troy's room and then kind of goes like up her bed and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you see her like moaning and groaning and then she like wakes up which was such a disturbing scene did that did that light beam just move itself into her vagina yes what the what that is this is this is the thing that bothers me with this entire episode why do we as the audience members and the crew aboard the enterprise just gloss over the fact that she was raped by an alien being i don't i don't think I don't think they glossed over it because when you when when you watch her, um, first of all, her her whole demeanor in ten forward when Pulaski is explaining things to Picard, and then when they go into the conference room, there's trauma there, right? Seriously, like first of all, she didn't sit next to Riker or any of the other people. She went and sat completely by herself. Marina Sirtis acted that part very very well, but then they did really. Um, during the whole like baby thing, her whole demeanor did shift to all of a sudden mama bear. And I don't know if that's because of the whole 36 hours of pregnancy, like everything maneuvered quick. If maybe the the if maybe the alien was like doing some Jedi mind trick on her or something. That's what I was I thinking was, because I was, I just was like, very disturbed by all that. I didn't like any of that. I was like, why all of a sudden, you know, number one in the in the observation lounge when they're the I think it's so telling of like 
politically where we are, but it's like a bunch of men deciding what this woman is going to do with her pregnancy. And I was like, get the fuck out of her body. Number one. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought the exact like, same thing. Again, I was like, get oh, out of her body. Where is HIPAA? I said, this, I thought the same thing, you know, we're sitting up in the room <laughs> talking about, let's talk about her baby. Let's talk about what happened to her. And I was like, did she get permission for this? I'm guessing she did. We'll just assume she did. But I was like, she's sitting there looking very traumatized. And you guys are all just like, so what are we going to do about this? It's yeah. Like, let's, it and work is like, let's terminate this. It's, gonna, it's like, yeah, it's like, you need to get on out of her body. However, we get should out of her be body. concerned. We should be concerned that alien babies popping up in her womb. That's freaking True. terrifying. It, it seems, so let's put a force field around her or something. Yes. It seems very like <laughs> insect parasite. Like it yeah. laid eggs in her and it's going to now, you know, it felt very like alien, it right? It was very like, alien movie. and alien actually. And I looked this up cause I was like, were they inspired by alien? I think they totally were because alien had come out years before, like both aliens oh. had come out years before this episode aired. So mm. I think they were totally inspired by alien, but I'm like, had they seen alien, everyone would be much more concerned right now <laughs> because yeah. we don't want anything bursting out of her from anywhere. Pulaski's been bouncing around on a shuttlecraft. We know there's one shuttlecraft available. Get her on it and like take her, you know, a, a thousand, yeah, a thousand meters off the starboard bow and she can have her baby there. Or just, mo- mm-hmm. I just wanted her to be very much more closely monitored. Everyone was just, I mean, Pulaski was like, it's just a healthy baby. Like we can't, we, our scans don't show that there's anything off about this, but we're like, the fact that she wasn't pregnant yesterday tells us that there is something off about this. Even if the scanners don't show it, like we should be concerned, but we can't tell her what to do with her body. And I, I do like when she was finally like, you know what, captain do what you need to do to keep this ship safe, but I'm going to have the baby. And he was just like, well, mm-hmm. there's nothing more to be said. Like she's having yep. the baby. She's having the baby. So I did appreciate that. It wasn't just like a, no, we know, we know better than you. We're going to decide. It was just like, that's what you mm-hmm. said. Like, that's fine. So I did appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree with you. And as we take a step back and look at like where the enterprises come from in season one, we've had virus mind control, running rampant like every other episode is mind control are you honestly telling me that it's not a possibility in your mind that counselor troy who was raped by an alien and now is carrying this like unknown alien seed in her and she's acting like ridiculously calm and well-adjusted like that doesn't seem to you like there might be shouldn't we have her like like you said, like a force field around her. <laughs> I think she because... had a little bit of Stockholm syndrome because she, she may you know, she's being held. She she's being held in her body captive by this thing that's completely controlling her. It's not just controlling her mind; it's controlling her entire body. Yeah. So terrifying. there's this, you know. I'm guessing there had to be some sort of Stockholmy thing, and maybe maybe it was sitting there going oxytocin, 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 mm-hmm. like like flinging all those those yeah. motherly hormones at her. I don't know. I, it, it it that to me just was very disturbing. But honestly, the most disturbing part, and we're kind of missing like the beat by beat, but the most disturbing part of the entire episode for me was how unbothered she is by this child's like rapid, you know, within 24 hours, he's a four-year-old. And then in 48 hours, he's an eight-year-old. Yeah. It's like, and she's, and she's just like, Ian, would you like some soup? Ian, would you like to play with the puppy? What the hell? No, (laughs) no. I would be like, what's happening to my baby? Ah, you know, like something, right? Like, but she's just like, picking the kid up from school and like commuting and like carpooling, like it's just doing regular mom things. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It didn't, that to me was so like cocoon. It was very like creepy and like mind altery. And this is why I didn't like this episode. And I feel like as much as like Marina Sirtis was happy that Troy got like, you know, a Troy centered episode. I was like, this doesn't make 
sense. Like, even if you go with the premise of like an alien impregnation and this like rapid acceleration, why would Troy be behaving like that? It doesn't make any Mm -hmm. sense at all. Why is Pulaski letting her and the child roam free? Why is Captain Picard just like here and there checking in to see how the baby's doing? Like, no, no, this is priority one right here. Like, we need to keep this under observation. And the creepy, weird Riker watching her give birth. <laughs> yes. That felt yes. so voyeuristic. And yes. I was like, it was very voyeuristic. And Mm-mm. not just creepy Riker, but we also have Worf and his security team chilling in the background, waiting for the baby to pop out to see what happens. So they can and, shoot it. <laughs> right. I mean, which again, I hate to keep to keep beating this dead horse, but if you've seen Alien, yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's, like that was terrifying. That movie was so yeah. scary, and Star Trek, thank God, is not scary like that. But like, but it's yeah. but the, you know, well, tr- you know, I had a thought about Riker, and I wrote in my notes either shit or get off the pot, Riker, because he's still in love with Troy, but right. he mm-hmm. won't pursue anything with her. But like when she's engaged to that sweet guy in Haven, he's all yeah. pouty about it. And then immediately his first question when Picard is like, Counselor Troy's pregnant, he's like, Well, who's the father? What does it matter to you? You are the jealous ex boyfriend that just keeps like stalking your ex, but basically being like, I don't want to be with you. But I don't want you to be happy with anybody else either. Mm-hmm. Like, shit or get off the pot, Riker. Like, this is a, mm-hmm. this is, to me, it's just such a, like, ugh. And I mean, at the end of the labor, which only took, you know, about as long as it made, took to make a bowl of popcorn, like, the, <laughs> the labor was over. And he was very sweet with her. And he's like, you look beautiful. And the baby's beautiful and all that. But I thought, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta let it go, Riker. Like, stop trying to hang on yeah. while like also like rejecting her <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> when she wants to get close to you right now all i can think of is that kim fox song from the 80s you keep me hanging on you know yes, <laughs> yes totally Set me free <laughs> yes <laughs> anyway um can we can we hate on dr pulaski for a couple of minutes yes please all right let's hate on pulaski for a second so troy troy goes into labor and um, Pulaski says, and I quote, in every case, except for a few, the father was always present. And when data volunteers, Pulaski says, Troy will need the comfort of a human touch, not the cold hand of technology. And I wrote rude in all caps, rude. And it's kind of funny. Um, not funny, haha, but like funny, ironic. Like the one person she decides to pick on is the one person who really doesn't care. You know, like if she would have pulled yeah. that crap on anybody else on the ship, they would have been like, what? What's your problem? Yeah, they would have verbally bitch slapped her. They yeah. totally would have, but she picks on Data and Data's just like, oh, okay. You know, he's just very like, no, that doesn't work for me, but very like unharmed. And it's like, she's trying to poke at him. Yes, yes. Yeah. And she, you know, I feel like when you come into a new work environment or a new social circle or a new anything, you don't come in with guns blazing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like you got to kind of read the room, sort of yeah. feel it out. If you're in like a group of friends that are kind of ball busty, then you bust some balls, whatever. But like, don't come in there like that because what the hell? Yeah. Like read the room lady. Everybody else treats data as if you were human and mm-hmm. you're the only one that's sitting there being like, but he's not, but he's not. It's like, Dude, shut up. Like nobody else, like, and also nobody's going to appreciate that. Well, the other, the other thing, and we kind of touched on this a little bit before was in another like Pulaski crappy moment, she's speaking to data and she calls him data and she goes, well, what's the difference? And he said, one is my name and one is not. And he Mm -hmm. said it 
as perfectly as Data could without any hurt feelings or anything. And then she basically, she made a mistake by calling him the incorrect name and then essentially called him like a snowflake for like having his feelings hurt. And it's like, no, no, his feelings are not hurt. You just called him the wrong name. Like this is bullying 101. This is bullying 101. Yeah. You do something, mm-hmm. somebody calls you out on it. And instead of just being like, my bad, Taking responsibility. you double down. You just yep. double down on it. And it's like, you just look like an asshole. Yeah, maybe that's another reason why I don't like her because she didn't, yeah, she didn't just own it and be like, oh, sorry, whoops. You know, instead she goes, oh, oh, there's a problem with me saying it wrong. Uh, yeah, there's a problem. Yeah. And then she does it later on in the episode too. And then she just goes, data, data, whatever. Like, it doesn't even matter. Bitch, you, we just had this discussion a couple <laughs> minutes ago. Mm-hmm. What is so hard to understand about that? Yeah, that really bothered me. And I know when she did, like, internally, you know, when she, like, scanned him with the tricorder to be like, oh, there's no bruised ego. In her mind, she was like, <laughs> sick burn, Catherine. Like, she was really proud of herself <laughs> for that. You're like, dude, you look like yeah. a dick, okay? Like, yeah, she does this in so many episodes where I'm just like, just grates on me. But anyways. Just- just just know she doesn't last long. She doesn't last long. Like, she lasts too long, though. Way too long. She she lasts longer. She lasts longer than um, Yar, but yeah. still not that long. <laughs> she lasts longer yes. than Yar, which is yeah. unacceptable. I'd rather have Yar than Pulaski. <laughs> God, she sucks. I do have to agree. I, I, I do have to say between the two, I'd rather have Yar than Pulaski. I hope Pulaski got into a shuttlecraft and just flew into a sun. <laughs> like, I just don't like her. <laughs> I don't know. There's just something so unlikable about her. And she had, like, no warmth. She had no... No bedside manner. I don't know if I think of Crusher as warm, but I like her. Like, she's yeah. a likable person. Like, I would have drinks with her. Yes. Right. Pulaski, well, if I, I mean, saw listen, her coming, I'd turn right around and be like, yeah. yeah. I would transport <laughs> away and know that she can't catch up to you because she won't use the transporter. <laughs> <laughs> like, see ya. <laughs> sight to sight. Engage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I were, honestly, if I had contracted Plasma Plague, which, by the way, super cool plague name, um, I would want Dr. Crusher to tell me that, like, I was dying. I would not, like, Pulaski would be like, you're dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would not be fine. Uh, you know, and since we've gotten into the plague thing, I was like, how interesting is it that we're watching this episode in the middle yes. of COVID stuff, yep. right? Oh, my God. Like, they, they're all freaking out. And I'm like, where's their masks? <laughs> yeah, six feet. Like, exactly. exactly. Level one containment field. Level one containment field, it's everybody. So, yeah, it's so this whole episode right now during the recording of this episode, we're still in the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic across the world. And we've been doing this, I think for about eight months or so that we've had like seven restrictions. Yeah. We've had so many viruses on the show in season one and we're just like rolling with that theme into season two. And so every time (laughs) this happens, it's kind of like, yeah, we can appreciate it and relate to it so much better (laughs) because of what we're going through right now. As that, as that little containment cell started growing, you know, the plasma plague started replicating and growing. Yeah. I got so anxious. I was like, oh my God, get, shoot that thing into space, like do something. Yes. And that one guy was like, you can't do that because it's going to become a spore and then I'll just You basically attach. can't do anything. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, you can't do anything. Can't do any of those. The Enterprise will be doomed. I like when Riker says, so what you're telling me is no matter how bad I think it is, it's actually way worse. And I went, thank you. This is what I feel about COVID when people don't take it seriously. And it's like, no matter how bad you think it is, it's much, much worse. So just trust the experts. And let's just follow their advice. How about let's do that? The part that was so that was so anxiety inducing about this is because they had he had checked that containment unit 
like a thousand ways to Sunday yes. before even yes. bringing the plasma plague on board. Um, and he was like, it's not until it's like up to my standards and all this stuff. And so they had done everything right. They had done everything right. And still the plague started to grow and they were just like kind of trapped on the ship and there was nothing. They, I mean, and they were just like, let's do this, let's do this. And there was nothing yes. they could do. And it was just like, man, that's pretty scary. They're just, you know, and Riker's just like, all right, I think we should get everybody up to the saucer section, um, separate and, yeah. uh, you know, they get to survive and we won't. And you're just like, oh, well, no, no. See, here's the thing. And, and my boyfriend and I talked about this because honestly, it, with all of that, as, assuming that the virus does not affect technology, they just leave data on board. They leave data with the, the, the oh, plague. That's a good idea. Leave data with the plague. Everybody else goes on the saucer section, flies mm-hmm. away nice and safe. And then you don't have to worry about it killing anyone because it's not going to harm mm-hmm. data. Mm-hmm. They, and he just, he's going to live forever. We know that because he's an Android. So he just flies around with this thing, making but sure nobody ever forever flying in a ship with plasma plague. That's an awful existence, but he wouldn't care, but he would, he does. He doesn't, but he, okay. He does not have feelings. However, he does actually have like connections with people. Like he actually cares for people because they say in a future episode um, that the way he describes friendship is that his sensory input gets used to what like right gets used to people and like misses their absence so i think he would definitely and he's trying to become human and learn from humans i think he would like not like that i i definitely no and i don't think it's the best but here's the thing who's the person of all the beings i shouldn't say well he is person whatever of all the beings on that ship who's the one who's most likely to say you know what let me be the one to go down there because it's not going to hurt me you know, I have a chance of fixing this problem over time without getting hurt. And then once I fix the problem, because because what they said was exactly right. If they if they just shoot it out into space, someone else is going to find that that cube, pull it onto their ship. And now they're all fucked. Right. Yeah. So, so if he's on the ship, he can say, you know, look, we've got we've got this horribly contagious thing. I'm an android. I can't get hurt by it. I'm trying to fix the problem. Do not come on the ship. Right. And also he can, I agree with you. And I think that he can travel with the plasma plague aboard the ship and let it run its course. So I wonder if like that might've been an alternative where it's like, yes, you can, data can go on to like the star drive with the plasma plague and let it just sort of naturally run its course and die. He's not affected. And then they can clean that up. However, we don't have to worry about that because they figured out the solution anyway. So they realized that this really cool radiation called Eichner radiation, which I was like, oh, another cool name, like so many Mm -hmm. good names. Eichner radiation is what's stimulating the growth of this plasma plague. And the only source of Eichner radiation is Ian, this child who's now practically older than Wesley Mm -hmm. (laughs) and can counsel him. Yeah. Um, which we've totally glossed over and need to touch on real quickly. So this this child is like, I need to go now. He wasn't really ready to tell Captain Picard or or Deanna Troy like why he was actually on the ship. Um, but he kind of blipped himself into a little pinprick of light again in front of like you know, Troy everyone. and and everyone and pinpricked of light himself into her hands and kind of communicated telepathically with her that he was just sort of passing by as this little being and saw the ship and was curious and thought he would just have to understand them, like have a human experience and just be one of them for a short amount of time, which I thought 
that was really cool. And if this pinprick of light had sort of communicated that to Troy before impregnating in the beginning. her, or yeah. just, yeah, then at least it'd be like, he's just, he doesn't mean any harm. He just wants to sort of understand how we live and how we are for a couple days. And then he'll be on his way. Like, okay. But it wouldn't be this like scary alien thing where you're like, what the fuck is going, is this thing going to come bursting out of my stomach? Oh my God. Like, this is just too scary. Yeah. And I, and there's no reason to not share that earlier. No reason whatsoever. You could have just shared that, right? The alien wouldn't know, I guess, because he's, he, it, whatever is learning about this culture. So I guess the alien wouldn't know how they would respond, but having realized his intentions was just to learn the human experience. It was like, oh, you definitely could have said that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, well, you also have to keep in mind that 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 particular scenario is true for every TV show in the history of ever. That by the end, we learned that if they had just opened their damn mouth and said something at the beginning, <laughs> yes. we wouldn't have a show. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. That's true. So I guess that's why we needed that dramatic buildup. I don't know. But people don't <laughs> so, know how to communicate. And so because of that, hilarity ensues. You yes, know? Like, absolutely. And drama or just any of those things. Whatever the script <laughs> is asking for, not right. explaining it is the way to go. <laughs> to mm-hmm. build up the drama. Mm-hmm. Um, so he so he leaves the ship. The Eichner radiation goes away. The plasma plague is now contained. We did not talk about something that's a really cool moment in the show. Um, and Jenny, you mentioned this before, is when um, Wesley and Guinan are just like having their little like moment in 10 forward. And I just love everything about it. Go. Same, same. I loved everything about it. It was it was beautiful. I love the way and and with all of us being educators, right? You guys are current educators. I'm a former educator. Mm-hmm. Um, the way she helped open his eyes to yes. what he was doing without going, "Hey, dumbass, that's not what you want," right? She was just like, "Hey, do you want?" Uh, how about a nice thing of Moruvian tea? Uh, how about some nectar straight from Prometheus? Um, mm-hmm. How about, you know, and every, and he's just like, why are you doing this? And she says, well, because that's what's expected. I'm a bartender. I, I just keep offering drinks. I keep offering, that's what's expected of me. And don't you always do it? What's expected of you? And he's yeah. like, Oh, oh, like you literally and and for for a teenage boy to to be able to show that moment of realization Mm -hmm. and then they come back to the conversation. He's sitting at the bar with her. He gets called to the bridge. He he starts walking away. He comes back and just so sweetly thanks her. Like, yes. Oh my God. For me, for me as a teenage girl, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, he's so sweet and smart and evolved. And his hair is so good. I know. I know. Why does everybody hate on him? Cause like, ugh. but it was so incredibly sweet to see him mm-hmm. thank her. And it wasn't about, and for a teenage boy, it wasn't about the food, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird. Yeah, it was, it was really, truly. And he said it in the way that I think most teenage boys, thank you for all, all the rest. I think were yeah. his yes. exact words. Thank it was for, thank you for all the rest. I in, think it was, oh. it was just this lovely, sweet moment because Wesley throughout the episode, he didn't have a whole lot to do. Normally Wesley is put in charge so much. He would have been like saving the ship from the plasma plague. He would have been so- figuring mm. out how to even stop the plague from happening in the first place. He would have solved that the baby was the source of the icon radiation. He would have done all that. But I do like that they have him more as like an angsty adolescent, which is mm-hmm. what he truly is at that time. And they sort of explained why Dr. Crusher was not 
on the ship that she had taken this post at like Starfleet medical or whatever. And, and Wesley was going to join her shortly. So they were going to like drop him off or something. And I love that he was just sort of like mulling this over and trying to think of like, he clearly wasn't happy with that as like his course of action. And I love that this lovely interaction with Guinan really kind of set the stage and introduced us to like how Guinan is as a person. She's a listener. She, one of our other guests, Chris French mentioned like she's a perfect counselor because she won't tell you what to do. She'll ask you like, Mm -hmm. what do you think you should do? And, Mm -hmm. and she has such a lovely like roundabout way of kind of getting people like Wesley to be like, Oh, should I be doing what's expected of me? Like that, that just was such a likable, it just kind of felt like a chocolatey sweet, moment and it was really really nice considering we're dealing with this like grading hard other right actress right. with Dr. Pulaski and then you have Guinan that's like oh I want to go see her that's like a time. lovely like, counterpoint yeah and yeah. also mm-hmm. in the beginning Wesley has this awkward moment with Picard in the turbo lift where you can tell he wants to ask him something or say something to him but he never does say anything or ask him anything and they just kind of walk along and talk about well, you're so effing awkward post and changing roles is part of the deal and yada, yada. And they just kind of walk away and you're like, well, what was the point of that? Besides to give the audience the background information to know why Crusher is no longer on the show. And, and it continues to show Picard's, um, hesitance, um, his discomfort with being around anyone, not an adult. Yes. And I also think he's uncomfortable around feelings, especially feelings when it comes to Beverly Crusher. So it, makes sense that it was just a really awkward moment. So I'm glad that Wesley got a chance to talk to Guinan, who was the opposite of that, where it wasn't super awkward and painful and pulling teeth, but it was just the most natural, organic, like lovely conversation. And also I thought to myself that that would really suck if Will Wheaton had to leave the show because Gates McFadden left the show. (laughs) I was like, oh, that would super suck because, you know, like that, because that makes sense and that could have happened. So I'm glad that they the writers and directors and producers or whoever's call that was made the decision to figure out mm-hmm. a way where Will Wheaton could stay on the show playing this role without his mother figure on the show. And I have to say that was something that I connected with <clears throat> as a teenager because I grew up in the military. So we were moving all the time and to watch that thing where mom had to go and then he was expected to follow, you know, that, that's something that happens in military life all the time. You know, mm-hmm. mom or dad gets stationed in Korea and the rest of the family joins or, you know, or doesn't join. Right. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes it's just like, we're not moving your whole family over for a one year tour of duty. So they can live wherever they want. And we'll just put you up in the barracks. And so for me at that time, I was literally around the time that that I remember watching that episode around the time where we were about to move. And I remember thinking to myself, man, it'd be awesome if I could just stay here, Mm -hmm. finish high school and then go be with my family. And my parents were, were not cool with it. I was like, but, but Wesley did it. (laughs) You didn't didn't have Guinan and Picard and Riker and Data. To be fair though, Jenny, you also couldn't fly a starship. So very true. (laughs) Yeah, very true. Agree. I had, I had not saved the starship enterprise 12 times by the time I I was allowed to fly it, you know, (laughs) you know, there's that whole thing. But design wise, what I, what I love too about this episode, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but when when Picard, Picard is walking into 10 forward and they showed like the window of the door, like the whole, yes. the whole 10 yes. forward thing, the design of it felt very 
very almost cruise ship like. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love, I don't think I've ever talked about this, but beautiful. I love the doors to 10 forward. They are different from any other doors on the ship. They, they have like the wood. like Starfleet glass. It is wood and, and it has port. like Starfleet. Yeah. Starfleet like frosted window. And like the fact that 10 forward looks out onto the front. Like I did love when Guinan comes up and she's offering him all these drinks and, you know, they're kind of having that breakthrough, like do what's expected. And you see the ship like moving away Mm -hmm. and then it goes into lights or it goes into warp. And, and I was like, Oh my God. And it comes out of warp and you're just like, that was amazing. That was totally amazing. I love to think of like all the meetings that the visual effects and the writers had to all have together to kind of figure out like, what is it, you know what it would look like if a ship turns from like one view to another, but going into warp because all the stars kind of like, and then you can, it kind of breaks through. It looks like it's going into like hyperdrive from star Wars almost, Mm -hmm. right? Like everything becomes like a colorful blur and then it breaks out of that. And then you just see stars like zipping by. So, you know, they're in warp, but I was like, visually, that was so effing cool. I was like, I just want to sit and like bring my laptop to 10 forward and do all my work remotely from 10 forward just to like see the view. It was so totally. cool. So cool. Yeah. So as we wrap up, do we have any final thoughts on this episode? This is a supersized podcast episode right here. Yeah. And then the last thing was at the end when they're give basically giving permission for Wesley to ask his mom to stay on the ship. And he's doling out duty saying, you know, we can't just let this 16 year old boy just do whatever the hell he wants. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're going to stay, you're going to have people who are responsible for you. Although Mm -hmm. I do, I do take umbrage with, with the wording that the writers gave Picard on that one. He's going to create difficulties. Like I literally wrote it down in, in, (laughs) in quotes, create difficulties for us. Well, yeah, it's Wesley. We now know that, yes, it's probably accurate language, but you don't say that in front of the freaking kid. (laughs) Also, also, if you're going to do that, like, very grown-up thing and, like, don't give credit to a young person just because they're young, which is such a dumb concept. Like, we write off, like, youth so much. It's like, oh, you're just, you know, being young and stupid. Um, do we not remember that he saved the ship like 22 times out of the last mm-hmm. 26 episodes, like mm-hmm. almost single-handedly? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's better at his job than you are. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> so maybe, you know, maybe give him some credit. You yeah. know, I did think it was kind of funny that Worf was like, I'll take on the role of tucking him in at night. And I was like, yeah. what? That was <laughs> that hilarious. Was, that was really funny. They were like, Worf, you'll tuck him in. And he's like, I will do it. I was just like, <laughs> Oh, that's the last person I want sucking me in. <laughs> here's here's what got me. Troy was like back on the bridge and she's like, well, at least we know he's going to get a good night's sleep every night because like, you know, Worf is going to make sure he's in bed. And I thought, Troy, you just had this very traumatic experience. Why are you back on duty? <laughs> Why are you back on duty? I think it's the alien magic. It's the alien magic. <laughs> yeah, it whoosh, just, whoosh, she's better. It's, it's like you lost your kid, but it, it telepathically like... Gave you closure and put in some more magic. Mm-hmm. And I, I also thought Picard's wording with when when asking Riker, there's more to growing up than that, than than education and getting to bed on time. There's more to growing up than that. So did he just basically task with Riker with making Wesley a man? Probably. That'd be the one to do it, right? He does have the beard. You would rather go to Riker than Picard. Like, I seriously, like, in my head, I was like, I think he just told him to have the birds and the bees conversation with him. <laughs> well, his his version of the birds and the bees are like, one day, a pinprick of light is going to breach the hole of the <laughs> ship, and it's going to impregnate you. <laughs> and no, that's no, going to no. be it. 
All right. Let's say goodbye to this episode because we could be here forever. (laughs) Jenny, thank you so much for being on the show and just geeking out with us and loving on Troy because we actually need some Troy cheerleaders up in here because Mm -hmm. there hasn't been a whole lot of that. Yeah. All right. So so we will love to have you on the show again when we have, you know, when we see like more growth with Troy, that'd be so fun to have you back, Jenny. I would love to do that. Love, 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 love to do that. So I'm, I'm going to be catching up on all of this, watching the episodes, listening to you guys, because I didn't want to listen to you guys until I watched the episodes to be able to be like, oh, yeah, I agree with that or no, I don't. So we're going to have to have a whole fun encapsulated like, here's yes. where I agree with you on this stuff. And here's where I thought differently about this stuff. Yes, that would be super fun. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Sharice, as always, I love chatting with you about Star Trek. I mean, we could do this all day and oftentimes we do. We do. Listeners, thank you for hanging with us next week. We're talking season two, episode two, where silence has lease. We'll catch you all next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at the tngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.